All right, well, good morning. Whether you're watching us online, you're here in person, we're so glad that we are able to be together on the first day of the week. Hey, before we start, I just want to, uh, to recognize just how generous this church community is. I mean, you heard a bit about it in the announcement that we were able to come together and raise up several thousand dollars to help our community during the season of Thanksgiving. Um, and out of that, we were able to provide 88 meals for the community families around here that are in need. Isn't that awesome? We've done, we did that together. I just love that. I love doing things together. We are better together. And it's in times like this that it's just so cool to see the generosity of our people just rise up to what is needed in our community. And I think we can do a whole lot more as we go into this Christmas season. And, um, and I, I just love it. I love what is happening. I love the spirit of generosity that flows from this church. So thank you so much for contributing to that. There's more opportunities to be part of this. And if you're new to our community, hopefully that's just a glimpse of the heart of Grace Church. We're so glad you're part, partnering with us. We're so glad that you're here with us. But um, God has so much more in store. Amen? We have a lot to be thankful for. I, I love this time of year because it just brings it back to really what's most important in life. And it's the things that God has done in our lives. And we are such a blessed people, aren't we? Aren't we? You can say amen to that. And those online, you can respond in any way you want to with an emoji or, or just a word there. But we're glad you're with us. We're glad that you're watching. Well, this morning I felt like um, I, I wanted to pause um, and, and I wanted to respond and I want to respond to something I think is in our minds and in our hearts this week. Uh, I, I want to talk about a very important topic, which every topic we talk about is important. And every scripture that we share is, is for your building up and to edify you and to help you in your faith to grow. But I just felt like in this climate, in this time, in this season, in this moment, I thought that what we're going to talk about today is going to be vital for us all. It's going to be a defining moment for all of our lives if we explore this topic a little more. Now, for many of you, this is a very familiar topic, something you feel very uh, knowledgeable in. But sometimes our familiarity will cause us to probably not explore it or limit it in some sort of way because we, we, we think we know it all and we think we've seen it all and experienced it all. But I want to tell you that there's so much more when we talk about this topic. Now, how many of you, if I was to tell you today, I was going to say there is a way that you could experience God in a whole deeper way, encounter God in so many other ways beyond this service, beyond these moments. If I was to tell you that there is a way that if you add this to your life, if you practice this and discipline yourself to make this a priority in your life, that you would experience more healing, less anxiety, more peace. How many, if I told you, I said, if you could just learn to grasp a hold of this particular topic put it in your heart. How many of you say, well, sign me up, pastor. I'm ready to go. And if that's you, and if you're watching today, I'm so glad that you're watching and listening and that you're engaged in this morning's message because I want to explore this topic. I want to take a couple of weeks diving into this topic. But before we do, we need the Holy Spirit to help us. It's not only for me to share, but I, I realize that it's, more, it's not so much of what I say, but it's what you hear. And I believe that it's the, the ear that is tuning into the spirit that's going to make all the difference. And in what you hear, you got to respond to and you got to do. And that's where the power of this word comes through, right? So let's ask the Lord for that. Let's ask the Lord that this message, that whatever is taught and shared and whatever scripture goes out today, that it falls on fertile soil. Yeah. 
the soil of your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together. God, whether it's online or in person, God, we know that when you said where two or three are gathered, you are there. We already sense your presence all around. God, we're asking for you to speak to our hearts, soften our hearts to receive your word. Lord, I pray for something new and fresh in everyone's heart today, that every ear would be open to you. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, in the next couple of weeks, I, I want to spoil the topic of worship. Ooh. Worship. Not only worship, but the heart of worship. The heart of worship. So vital for us to understand. What is the heart of worship? Now, I want to begin with asking you a question. What do you think of when you hear the word worship? What is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of worship? Now, if you've been part of church, then you probably automatically think about the beginning of service. A lot of people think, like, it's the songs of worship. It's, it, it's the warm-up to the message. I'll tell you, worship is so much more than that. You know, I understand, though, that our primary way of expressing worship, it does come in song. It does come in that time. There's something important about us having that to be the initial start of gathering together, singing praise and worship to God. That's important. That's powerful. We've already sensed that. We've already experienced that already. I don't need to, to tell you about it. You've experienced it. I think that there's something important and powerful when our collective voices are expressing praise and worship to God together, together. But how many of you know that worship is far more than just a 20-minute set before the preaching? Because we know that it's more than songs. It's more than singing. It's actually worship is the posture of our hearts. It's the posture of our hearts. That's why I believe that, 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 that the only thing that can stop us from worshiping, the only thing that can stop you from worshiping is you. <laughs> now, in this series, my hope is that we take time to really study and dig deep and say, okay, what is the heart of worship? And my hope is that as we talk about this, that it just deepens your heart, your hunger for wanting to worship more. To really develop that, that heart of worship so where you can have this consistently in your life. I think that's important. That's my prayer going into this. Now today I'm going to talk about aspects of worship. And there'll be more. Can't pack it all in in the one time. But I think that, that I do want to talk about the purpose and the power of vocally expressing your praise to God. I think that's important. However, however, it's important for us to really understand and start off with understanding that worship is not just limited to our vocal response and our musical arrangements, as good as they are. In fact, the word worship, when you study worship in the Bible, when you look at that word and you look at the original language, it actually doesn't even allude to singing. The Greek word that is most translated as worship in our New Testament is known, it, it, the word is this, it's, it's prokineo, which means to fall down before or to bow down. To kiss the hand towards one, to show reverence. The Hebrew word in the Bible for worship is shaha, which means this. It means to bow low and to prostrate oneself. In other words, worship is an outward expression of an inward belief. It's an attitude of respect and reverence towards one that you know is greater and is above. Worship is more than just lip service, friends. It's an attitude, it's a posture in your life that you hold. Like I said, it's an outward expression of an inward belief. 
Some of you might remember um, out of the book of John where Jesus is having conversations with people, and he has a conversation with a woman in the land of Samaria, and uh, it's John chapter 4. And Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman at the well, and, and he begins to have this conversation to this, with this woman about her lifestyle. And in the middle of the conversation, it seems like gears get switched, and, and, and it seems like it's going off topic, and they start talking about worship. Do you, you remember that story? Yet, I believe that that is exactly where Jesus was wanting the conversation to go. Because as you see, Jesus is trying to connect the dots here. And in that conversation, Jesus is making a connection between our lifestyle and worship. Why? How? Well, who and what you worship will guide your lifestyle. In other words, if your heart of worship has to be a heart of surrender, then who you surrender to is tied to who or what you are worshiping. Right? That's how it works. It's the attitude. It's the posture. Now, it's safe to say that Worship is something that comes from the spirit, from deep within. It is often said that worship is this attitude. It's the state of the heart. I mean, have, you, have you ever showed up to church mad? You don't have to raise your hand or point to anybody here in this room or online. You don't have to. But there's times when we've came into a place of worship or came to engage in a, in a time of worship together, and maybe our hearts weren't set right. Am I the only one that's hap- had that happen? And there's times where Misty and I, man, we're, we're getting ready, a little, little short-fused, and, and, and things spark, and, you know, I'm showing up, and I'm kind of grumpy. We drive separate, so that kind of helps sometimes, you know? <laughs> and, and I come in, and, you know, I'm ready to engage, and it's like in the middle of that first song, man, I'm just like, oof, I can't. There's something ain't right. right? And, and I have to ask for forgiveness, or, or she comes and squeezes my hand. There's a lot going on that first song in worship, right? <laughs> I, you know, I'm not the only one. There's times where we just come and our attitudes and our hearts aren't right, but it's, there's something in that moment where we feel humble and we feel like we got to surrender and we got to come to God with a pure heart, and, and those times are challenging, but like they, 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 they do that to us. That's the power within worship because the Spirit is always yearning to surrender, and sometimes we just get stubborn in times of an atmosphere. Worship helps us to surrender and remember that. See, in true worship, a Christian is required to surrender himself or herself totally to God and adore him for not what he just has done for us, but in who he is. That's really the essence of worship. That's why worship is so personal and so sacred in our lives. See, worship involves bowing down low before God. And I'm talking about in our hearts. Bring it before God. True worship is insightful and it's reflective. Worship is a lifestyle, a lifestyle that goes beyond, hopefully beyond a service, beyond a gathering. Though they are important, though that's an important thing to be part of, never neglect that, but it goes beyond it. It just does. And we must understand that all humans were created with this ability to, to need to worship. Like we're all wired this way. It's, it's very evident in society. We know that not all people, though, were created with the talent of singing beautifully. <laughs> not everyone was created with the talent of just learning to pick up an instrument, understanding it, and, and being engaged in it. Trust me, you are thankful that I'm not the one up here leading you guys into times like that. To so be thankful. If you need something to be thankful for, be thankful for that. My family will tell you. 
Yet throughout scripture, songs and musical instruments were used to ignite worship from the heart of God's people. That's what it was used for. That's what, that's what it was designed for. But let me tell you, there is a battle going on that is as old as time in regards to worship. It is. If you go back to the very uh, early time, and we learn about this, this, this chaos and this rebellion that happens in the heavenlies, we know that there was our enemy of our soul, Satan, and we know that he was thrown out of heaven because of pride, but do you know that that was in the context of worship? Satan looked at God's throne, and he saw how God was being worshiped, and he wanted to exalt his place above that place. And so with pride in his heart, he was jealous of God, and it all manifested because he had the wrong idea of worship. And I believe today, friends, that one of the enemy's agendas is to try to deter and distract us away from bringing worship to God. I believe that that's how he works. I believe that that's still going on today in the battles of people's hearts. And really the question is, is the battle of every heart is, who are you going to worship? Who are you going to worship? Or what will be the center of your worship? Because we're all wired this way, and it shows up in our life. So in this series, I want to battle, I mean, not battle. I don't want to battle. Calm down or settle down or don't get worried. I'm not trying to battle anybody. I want to cover these essential truths on worship in this series. I want to cover three things. One is the purpose of worship, the presence of God in worship, and the power of God through worship. But let's begin um, with getting a glimpse of something pretty magnificent the Bible gives us revelation of. It's actually out of the book of Revelations. Out of the book of Revelations, we know that this book is written by the Apostle Paul as he's in exile towards the end of his life, and God gives him this beautiful opportunity this magnificent moment where he's able to take a glimpse of heaven. And I'm telling you, this is, a mag- this is an amazing thing that a person can get a glimpse of heaven and survive it because of all its beauty and all its glory. But this man had that opportunity. He got a glimpse of heaven. And he didn't just look at the outskirts of heaven, but he got to enter the very center of heaven. And what's the very center of heaven? God's throne room. This man got an opportunity to see the throne room of God. And he gets to write it and tell us about it. And anytime, if you know scripture and you've studied through scripture, there's other people who've had that opportunity, some prophets. But anytime God's throne room is mentioned, anytime it's described, whether it's in the New Testament or the Old Testament, whether it's from the prophet or in the case of, of John, there is something that is very similar, something that, that is in all the different descriptions. There's something that happens in, in all those moments when they see the center of heaven, when they see God's throne room, And it's this, is that God is always surrounded by what? Worship. God is always surrounded by worship. Worship is always the atmosphere of heaven. That's what makes it so wonderful here on earth, is that when we truly are trying to sync up with heaven, man, it's worship that causes that atmosphere to be similar to the atmosphere of heaven. If you don't believe me, let's read it together. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. This is, I just want your imagination to go wild right now. I want you to think in and, and pictures and, and, and just imagine what this would have been like. I think the, 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 our language is not even able to best describe this. 
But listen to what it says. He says, after this, I looked, and before me was a great multitude, a great multitude that no one could count. Imagine looking at a sea of people, and you can't even, dis- can't even count. I don't know how big of a crowd you've ever been to. Have you guys been to a Seahawk game or any stadium like that? That's a massive amount of people. Imagine something beyond that where you couldn't see the end of it. And he says this. He says it's from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. How beautiful is that? It means God's throne, God's being worshipped by every nation, every ethnicity, every types of people, every tongue, every language is spoken, giving adoration and worship to God. That's beautiful. Everyone's welcome. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and, wearing, and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice. They weren't shy about it. And they said this. They said, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And I want to show you what happens here. There are others in this mist. There's others in this place angels and creatures that are wild and crazy when you look at the descriptions, heavenly beings. And they are listening and they're watching the massive amount of people saying this and it, they respond in a particular way. As the humans worship, heaven worships. It's amazing. It says all the angels, imagine these angels that are powerful and magnificent and beautiful, and it says that they were standing around, they're listening, they're around the throne, and then the elders of the, and the four living creatures, it says that they all fell to their faces before the throne. And what did they do? They worshiped God. Wow. That's heaven. That's what's happening. Worship is what you do in response to who God is. That's heaven. It should be a reflex. It should be a way that anybody who knows God's goodness, it should just be a natural way to respond. And when you get that revelation for who God is, it should just be a natural response to our spirit and our soul. Theologian A.W. Tozer says this. He says, any man or woman on earth who is bored or turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Yeah, wow. So what I want to do is I want to invite you all, I want to invite all of us to start making more room in our lives for this so that we can learn how to express God in this spirit, in this moment with heaven every day of the week, all the time. It shouldn't just be limited to this time and this space. It shouldn't just be limited to 20 minutes of our week. It should not be limited with only happening in these four walls or when a guitar is strung. It should be our life. It should be who we are. It should be how we respond to God. It should be an expression of who we are and wherever we go. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you cultivate this heart of worship? Because that's where, that's where it all begins. And so when I'm talking about our heart, I think I have to explain what that means. I'm talking about what the Bible means when it talks about the heart. This is what I'm saying. This is what... Um, This is the context of that. See, the heart is the center of who you are. See, to the ancient Hebrews, when they talked about the heart and the soul, it was the same thing to them. It was the steering wheel of a person's life, the steering wheel of their physical, emotional, intellectual, and moral activities. It is known to be the place that houses both our strengths and our passions. It's our heart's direct path 
See, once our hearts are set on something, it's very hard to change it, isn't it? That's why Jesus told us this. He says, where your heart is, that is where you'll find your treasure. And we're talking about worship being uh, a posture of our heart, then, then, then what is the condition of your heart? How much space does your heart have for worship? If you know you have a heart for worship, if God is truly at the center of our hearts. He is the center of our houses. That, that and, and when I mean house, I mean who you are in the inside. And it's your passions and your strengths. Are they, would I describe it as a pursuit of you pursuing to be with God, to know God? But the thing is about our hearts, and we all know this, is they can easily be distracted, can't they? They can easily be distracted. That's the thing about our hearts. But thank God that together with your family, with other believers, whether it's online or, 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 or in person or in any gatherings, what's so cool about this moment that we have that we share is that we can create these environments that bring our focus back that can bring us back to center. We can create atmospheres where we will bring the focus back on the Lord, back on worship. And I'm telling you, that is essential. And that's where music comes in. Music is a tool to help us engage in that way. Psalms 96, and this is going to be our key uh, scripture for this morning. Since we're talking about this and talking about song and singing, I want to know, why do we do this? It's important you know that. Psalms 96, one says, sing to the Lord a new song. I love that, a new song. What does that mean? It's a song from your heart is a new song, right? It's a a song, a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. It says sing. It It says proclaim it, praise God. And I'm telling you, when you see that in this scripture, the original language is very strong. It says that it is a command for us to sing to God. It's a command for all of us. That means that no one is exempt from this. Now, have you ever wondered why we sing to God? I mean, I got to be honest with you. Because I'm not a singer, because I'm not naturally gifted with this angelic voice, right, like Nick up here, which Nick's a single lady, so, you know, you can write a note of that. He's got, you know, guitar, voice. Yeah. But I, I wasn't gifted that way, and, uh, and I just know I struggled in church. I struggled being part of church, especially during that moment. It was the most awkward moment for me because I just didn't, I didn't want anybody to hear me sing. I didn't want anybody to hear that, and I was embarrassed, and, and, but I wanted to engage. My, I mean, my heart was there, but I just felt like I just couldn't do it. It was kind of weird for me growing up in a church because I didn't grow up in a household where people sang. I mean, I, I've been around some families where around Christmas time, they like to s- sing along, <laughs> That just was weird for me. I just didn't grow up that way. We never sang. So it was hard for me to connect and to relate to that part of my faith, that part of church. So I just stood there and I listened and I had a, had a good moment. But I just knew there was so much more bursting in me that wanted to come out. And I didn't know how to handle that. And I want to help somebody. If you're like me, and that might be you, say, how, how do I do this? And how do I connect with that? Well, let me tell you, there are situations in our life. Think about some situations in our life, in our culture, where we sing together with people. Sometimes it's strangers. Sometimes it's people that we know. But think about it. There are moments in our lives. I thought about this. There are moments in our lives where we do this. Okay, let me help you out. How about birthday parties? All right, we have a moment in most birthday parties, especially kids' birthday parties, where we all gather around who's there over there. And it doesn't matter if you can sing or not, but you sing, right? You do that for that person. How about concerts? You go to a concert, and it's your favorite 
artists and, and they start singing these songs that are familiar and you're around a bunch of people and everybody starts know, singing those songs and you're just kind of caught up in that moment, right? You know those moments. How about sporting events where, you know, I, I like going to uh, sporting events where I see the fans just get, get, get rowdy and they start singing things or, you know, oh man, going to a Seahawk game. How many times do you hear, I'm not even going to do it for you guys. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Big Seahawk chant, right? I mean, it just keeps going, keeps going. I mean, it does something. People get excited. They high five. They, there's something there. Now, there aren't too many places where we do this together, where we gather, and our, and our time is spent singing and praising together. But we understand that there are times when we do. And when we do them, there are times to celebrate, times to honor, and times to bring unity. That's why we sing. That's what this whole thing means. If we were able to do it in natural ways that our culture has created, how much more for people of God to do this together? That's why singing is such an important part of worship. You may not be able to carry a tune or play an instrument or keep rhythm, but you know what you do have? You do have a voice. And it's a voice that God values when he hears you, your voice, whether you're a kid or a grown-up. You all have a voice, and that voice ought to be to honor God. You know, I found it interesting as I, was, as I was looking and studying through, a lot of historians and Bible scholars, um, they actually were thinking about um, the history of Israel and studying it out. And there's a reason why music was such an integral part of their faith, the people of God. And it goes way back to the Ten Commandments. You know, the, the, the second commandment of the Ten Commandments that God gave, it said, you shall not make yourself any idol or bow down to it or worship it. See, in most ancient cultures, like the Greeks and the Egyptians, when they wanted to honor their deities, when they wanted to bring reverence and respect and worship, they created an idol. They created statues. They created art. They painted pictures. They made images. But God's people were not that way. They were told they shouldn't do that. So they didn't do that. When they look at the ancient artifacts and they're digging up all these things, they're realizing like God's people, ancient uh, Israelis and Hebrews, they didn't, they didn't have those things. But when you look at their history, what were they rich in? How did they express honor and celebrate their God? It was through song. It was through praise. It was through worship. I mean, we have, we have a book in our Bible, the book of Psalms, that's full of poetry and songs, worship songs and praise to God. They were rich in that. That was the way they expressed themselves to God. And they did it with music, song, and poetry. Music was woven into the fabric of their history. I mean, Moses, he sang after he crossed the Red Sea. Can you imagine that? Hannah sang after Samuel was born. David was a musician and a songwriter who wrote numerous psalms. Jesus, his mother Mary, sang after her visit with the angel. Jesus sang with his disciples in the upper room. See, throughout history, you see that song and worship was so important, and it was always in the heart of God's people because it was a foundational expression of their heart for God. And it doesn't stop in the Old Testament. It keeps going into the new. The writer of Hebrews, he, he, he talks about this, that our song and, and what's in our heart expressed to him, it's actually a sacrifice that we bring to God to honor him and worship him. It's Hebrews 13, 15. It says, Though Jesus, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God, continually offer to God, a sacrifice of praise. What does that look like? The fruit of our lips that confess his name. 
Let us offer him a sacrifice of praise. What does that mean? That's kind of a hard one. What does that mean, a sacrifice of praise? Well, usually in the Old Testament, people would bring an animal or grain and they would sacrifice it to worship to God, to show him, God, you deserve it. You get my first fruit. You get this sacrifice. Let me honor you with this. But now because of Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, we know that there was one sacrifice that was for everything and all, right? That was him to atone our sins. But as a response to his sacrifice, we bring a sacrifice of praise. And how do we do that? It comes from the fruit of our lips. That's how we bring it to the Lord. Singing is something that we offer to God as a gift to him. It's not to earn more love. It's not to earn more from God, but it's, it's a response. Think about giving a gift. A lot of you guys are good gift givers. Isn't it fun when you give somebody a gift that you just, that somebody you love, and you give them a gift, and you're just excited about seeing them open it up? You're excited about seeing them receive it? And it's not about the cost of that gift. It's, about, it's, a, it's, it's really about the, the thoughtfulness that went behind that gift, right? That's what really matters. So what can we give God that he doesn't already have? What can we bring to God that is special near and dear to him? I mean, this is the God who has everything, knows everything, right? Who, who, who are we to bring something to God that he would receive and cherish and value? Well, let me tell you, there's only one part on this earth that he chose to not be in control of. There's one place in all the world, in all the universe, that he gave us control of. And you know what that one place is? Our heart. He gave us a free will. And so when we, in response, give that back to him, when we show him that he is honored in that place, that most sacred place, the place that he chose to give us control of. And we're showing it back to him and saying, God, you deserve it. You, that's the heart of worship. And that pleases the heart of God. That, that, that does something. That res- he responds to that heart. That is our gift to him. Wow. When our hearts are bowed and our voices declare praise as God, it gets his attention. It warms his heart. That is a gift that we can bring. And when I'm silent, I'm skipping that. I'm holding back from giving God that. Because it says, the fruit of my lips will confess his name. Fruit of our lips. Uh, have you ever, like, got real excited about something that you received? Something you, I'm the biggest, like, I, I annoy my family because when I taste something really good, I'm a big, like, when I have something, like, food, and I, and I eat it, I want everybody to taste it. I mean, if it's really good, and if I'm just like, oh, this is too good for me to share, it annoys my family, but I try to make them all take a bite. I'm like, you got to try this, you got to try it. I mean, I'm praising it up. I'm, I'm talking it up. I'm saying, like, this is awesome. This is, this is amazing. I sing its praise. I want to tell you, friends, if you've experienced the goodness of God, why aren't you sharing it? Why aren't you talking about it? Why is it held into just a 20-minute session on a Sunday? You know, if God has forgiven you, if you know the goodness of God, if he's healed you, if he's done some miraculous things in your life, if you every day say, God, thank you for your grace, then why aren't you telling somebody? Why aren't you just getting excited and saying, man, I need everybody to know what he's done. I need to shout. And I'm telling you, it's not just shouting out loud. It's being loud in your life that he is good. What does that look like for you? 
That's where the heart of worship begins. That is what the heart of worship is. I'm running out of time here. I I just feel like I got to say a couple more things here. Because all creation elevates the name of Christ. That's what he says. That's what the scripture says, is that all creation cries out. All creation, everything created, responds to the creator. There is a response. But is that happening now? Can it happen now? I'm sad to say that maybe not. I think some of us have gone silent and worshiped way before COVID ever existed. Can I say that? Maybe we've sang the songs. Maybe we give the lip service. Maybe we've talked about God, but our hearts were far from that. We weren't really motivated in to that. We are just going through the motions. Maybe. That's a silent heart of worship. Let us not be silent in our worship. Let our lives display the goodness of God. There's some people today that says, you know, the church has lost its voice, and I don't believe that one bit. The, 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 the church has not lost its voice. It is the most powerful gift that God has given us. But let's use it to give God the praise and glory. Let's use it to worship God. Let's use it to tell people about him. I haven't been told to stop worshiping God because, again, the only thing that can stop you from worshiping God or the only one is you. And it's all a matter of the heart. And we can worship God. We can give him praise. It says, heaven and earth cry out, worthy, worthy, worthy. You know, Jesus echoed this on his last week before the cross as he's going into Jerusalem. It's his triumphal entry, right? And he echoes this thing about all earth singing praises to God, all creation singing praises to him as he's going in. And there's these religious leaders were telling him to silence the crowds who were praising him, calling Hosanna. Remember that? And then Jesus responds this way in Luke 19, 40. He says, I tell you, he says, if they are quiet, the stones will cry out. All of creation wants to celebrate. All creation wants to praise the creator. Psalms 96, 11 and 12 says, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the seas resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. This verse talks about heaven, earth, fields, trees, all of it giving God the glory, all of it praising God, giving to the Creator what's due to Him. It says that the rocks will cry out if we're silent. All of creation longs to worship God. I want to close with this just this image of a moment in history that maybe I know I've overlooked. But it's the time where Jesus is on the cross. And he's 
getting ready to give up his last breaths, right? He knows he's about to die. And you remember he's saying all these last things. Do you remember what happens next after Jesus gave his last breath? It says that the earth responded. How did the earth respond? The earth responded with an earthquake. The earth shook. The rocks rattled. There was a rumbling over all creation that cried out to the creator. See, in the moment of Jesus' death, all the praises for Jesus stopped in that moment, and yet earth cried out and spoke up. Why? Because the creator of life said, it is finished. And that rattled the earth. (laughs) That's powerful. That's powerful. The earth and creation knew that redemption has been completed. The earth, all of creation understood and knew that there was, there was redemption coming. And it says that creation longs, this is what Romans tells us, creation longs for the day of Christ's return because he will make all things new. That's what worship is. That is the power of it. Hillsong wrote a song, So Will I. And it says, if the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If all creation is going to praise and honor the creator, then so will I. My question to you is, will you? Can we? Can we do that in our lives? Here's my challenge. How do you put this into practice? I want to challenge us to bring more of this into our lives this week. Don't limit it to this room. Don't limit it to this space, but take it with you. Create more space in your life, in your home. And so I'm going to challenge you for the next seven days, will you spend 15 minutes a day in the atmosphere of worship? For some of you, this just means turning it on, putting a playlist of worship songs in your house. You'll be, you'll be just blown away on how the atmosphere will change in your house. Missy and I do this often, especially when there's a lot of tension with our kids and everybody being home and quarantine inside, Right? Put on some worship, man. See the atmosphere change. Spend some time with just getting alone with God, praising him, giving him glory, using your voice to declare his goodness. Seven days, 15 minutes a day. And then the last thing is what we talked about in announcements. We want to saturate social media with praise and worship, and this is how we're going to do it. We're going to post. We're going to get ready to just tell God how good he is, tell him about the things he's done, And the Bible tells us that in view of God's mercy, let's offer him a sacrifice. Look at the rear view mirror of your life. What has God done this week? What has God done last month? What has God done this year that you can tell people about? Will you be so bold? Will you come together? We're going to worship God, and it's not going to be in song. It's going to be in posting and telling people how good God is in our life. Can you do that? Can you join me in that? If you're watching online, just take a moment as we're going to pray. If you're here in person, would you stand to your feet? And we're just going to pray. We're going to say, what is that thing? What is that testimony? What is that praise report that I can give to the world? What can I be? This is Thanksgiving week. What am I most thankful for? Father, I just lift up all of us today, God, in this place watching online or in this building, God. But Lord, you've brought us together to hear this message and this time to put things right in the right perspective. And God, I just ask you, Lord, 
God, you let us look in view of God's mercy in our life. Lord, right now, let's everyone take a moment to reflect, see your goodness, your fingerprints all over our lives, God, in those blessed moments, God, where you showed up, where you responded to us, where you spoke to us, where you comforted us, where you've given us these things, God, that we could never obtain ourselves, but Lord, out of your goodness, you bestowed it on us. Lord, I pray for anyone right now, God, is struggling, trying to figure that out. God, you have been so good to us. Help us to now take that, Lord, and let us now proclaim it back to you, God, to be bold, to tell the world, God, yeah, I think things are tough, like things are, are not the way I wanted them to be, God, but I have something to be thankful for. And so, God, I pray that you put that in our hearts right now. And we thank you that we could worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, God, that we get access to your presence, God, as we call out to you. Because of Christ Jesus, Lord, we could be in the throne room, that same throne room that John described, Lord, we have access to the throne room of grace. Help our faith. We love you, God. We adore you. We praise your name. You are so good, always good. Come on, just take a moment right now. Out of your mouth, out of your heart, just give him the praise. It's okay. You can do that. <laughs> come on, if you're online, you come on, just give him praise in your house. God, you're so good. We love you. We thank you. Yes, this is our offering right now, God. This is our collective praise and worship to you right now, God. Giving you every voice here, God, saying, God, you are good. You are worthy. You have our hearts. Be the center, Lord. We love you, God. Come on, 30 more seconds. Just kind of just tell God how good he is. for restoring our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. I hope you leave wanting to worship even more. <laughs> Let that be the hunger of our hearts and the desire of our hearts as we go from this place. If you're watching online, we love you. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you guys. Let's continue to be the beacon of hope and light to this world because of Christ. Amen? amen. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We love you. Stay connected, stay involved. The best is yet to come. Amen? God bless. Amen. Give him the glory.